Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 106 of season three of Movie Rob Minutes, the daily podcast where we yippee ki our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action flick Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today and hopefully all week is Todd Levenow of the Forgotten Filmcast. Welcome back to the show, Todd. Thank you. I think I will be here all week because, you know, I'm I'm trapped in this building with, you know, international terrorists slash thieves, uh, you know, keeping me uh, from from moving around. So I might as well join you, I guess. Yeah, but, uh, you know, the State Department has, uh, you know, agreed to release to your comrades, comrades in arms. So you yes. never know. You might be out yeah. of here soon. You might be out of here before Friday. You never know. One can hope. No, yeah. no, well, I, I don't know. Stick with <laughs> I, don't I will, know I, will <laughs> I will stick with you through this, Rob. You okay. and me together. All right, there you go. So, episode 106 begins with Big Johnson responding and ends with John spilling his soul. So, we end the things on Friday with uh, uh, a lot of fun things happening, you know, but basically, we have uh, Johnson, you know, telling. Everyone telling his men that they they have the helicopters ready and they're gonna you know uh, start the uh, assault. And basically, in in the the next scene, Johnson picks up the CB at the end of, of Friday's episode and calls out to Hans and says, "This is Special Agent Johnson of the FBI. The State Department has arranged for the return of your comrades. Helicopters are en route as you requested." And Hans responds, "I hear you." will be ready. So I, I love the fact that both of them think that they are really, really clever at this yes. point. You know, <laughs> it, it really makes us as the viewers laugh that, that, you know, Johnson is so sure of himself and Hans is also so sure of himself. They both have, you know, their own plans in mind, but we know that, that even if we haven't seen the movie, we know that, that both sides have, some sort of alternative plan. Mm-hmm. You know, this is all a facade. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, and I just, when I, when I, uh, you know, opened up the scenes that you had for me here, uh, I was just thrilled that I got to see Robert Davi right off the bat. Cause I was like, Oh, I love Robert Davi. Uh, you yes. know, so, um, and I love him in this movie. I, in fact, I, I almost, want in this moment where he says this is agent johnson uh for him to do the line that he did uh, you know a few minutes Last earlier week. where yeah. he says no the no the other one the other <laughs> like one. as if hans knew you know the other johnson <laughs> you know yeah no that's I, I i mean we talked about this last week but but i love that line he his delivery is just great because you don't expect robert davi to deliver a line like that you you expect him oh. to be much more proper I guess you can say, yeah. you know, well, Dobby's one of the funniest things about this movie, I would say, I mean, right. But know, his like, character's not, not trying to be funny. That's the thing. Right. It's, it's not a comedic performance, but I just think that, that, you know, he's got some of the best laugh moments. This scene is one of them. Cause like you said, kind of the contrast between, uh, you know, the fact that, that Hans has his plan and Johnson's got his plan. And in this moment, we see them both kind of say, by the time they figure out what's going on, you know, they'll be yeah. in a body bag or exactly. by the time they figure out what's going on, we'll be on a beach somewhere, you know, exactly. uh, it's, it's a great, great moment. 
Yeah, I mean, also, I love I love that they show Hans's face when Johnson is talking, and so there you see that he's listening to him carefully. You know, basically, you know, you you can see you can see that he's like uh, you know rubbing his hands together, like "Ooh, I've my plan is working" type of thing. You know, yeah, and and obviously we know that that's not what's happening, but that's what he thinks is happening. And I I love that you see Theo in the back. Did, yes, did you notice this? Say that he's like I, he's I like fist say. pumping, and he's he's like uh, you know slinking forward. He's he's like trying to listen in on what's going on and stuff like that. You know, he's like he's like a little fanboy back there, just basically like, oh, I want to see what he says next, type of a thing. You know? Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, we I've discussed this numerous times, but I I love the fact that we can basically tell that Hans hasn't let everyone in on the entire plan. You know, he's, I think, the only one who knows the entire plan. You know, Theo right. knows part of it. Carl knows part of it. I don't know about all the rest. It doesn't really matter what, what they all know and what they don't know. You know, I think I think the rest are all just hired mercenaries and it doesn't really matter. It doesn't, you know, we don't care and they don't care what the plan is. You know, they, they, they just want to get their money and that's it. But, you know, yeah. Theo seems to be, you know, he knew all about the fact that, you know, we that, that it's his job to get through the six, but no one told him what's going to happen with the seventh, you know, how to get through the mm-hmm. seventh block. Now, I mean, if I was in Theo's position, you know, I would say to myself, okay, I'm risking myself. I know how to get through these six locks. You know, you have to at least tell me what your plan is to get through the seventh block because I don't want to get caught. Well, yeah, but apparently he I, trusts, I that, he trusts Hans enough. At the same time, you know, I think all these guys, you know, they're just, you know, like you say, they're mercenaries, they're work for hire type of guys. So ultimately, as long as they get paid, you know, I mean, do they care that much? I, I don't know. <laughs> right. It's true. I, I, I want to uh, just insert something really strange that came to my mind here. I was actually thinking about the other night when I was watching this, but um, I, I guess it had never completely gelled with me that that this computer geek character's name is Theo. Um, I am sure I had heard it before, but I just, it just didn't solidify in my mind. Um, and it, it brought to mind that years ago, I mean, back when this movie came out, I would have been in high school and my brother started calling me Theo, um, you know, just randomly. And I think the, the original origin of it was that somebody once asked me if Todd was short for something like Theodore, I was like, no, no. And he just, my brother was there and he thought that was funny. He started calling me Theo. And um, I wonder, if, you know, because we used to watch this movie a lot too. I wonder if, if you know, that was something that you caught onto that name because of this movie as well. I, I don't know, but yeah. Oh, wow. Is this, was this I, an older or a younger brother? This is a younger brother. Uh, but yeah, he just, he just thought it was, it was funny that someone would ask me if Todd was, was short for Theodore. So he started calling me Theo. Theo was also that we heard the name all the time. Cause back then was when the Cosby show was on. Yes. And so Theo was one of the kids on the Cosby show. Um, but yeah, totally random thought there. No, that that's great. Well, I mean, come on. We, we also all grew up on reruns of uh, leave it to beaver. It's Theodore Cleaver. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No one ever called him yeah. Theo. Actually, no one ever no. called him Theodore either. I think I, I think his dad called him Theodore when when you know things were going right. Maybe you know, like the right. way how when parents call you by your first and middle name, you know you're in trouble then. Right. They would call him Theodore Beaver Cleaver. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, 
Right. So, I mean, one of the things that Big Johnson mentions here is the State Department. So what, what do you know about the history of the State Department? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> In fact, I, I'm the type of person that when I'm watching the news and they mention these different departments and things like that, I get thoroughly confused just in terms of, okay, they're in charge of what now, you know, that type of thing. So yeah, I, I'm at a loss on, on that type of stuff. I don't like to sit and watch the news, you know, I'll sit and watch cartoons uh, any day over the news, you know. Okay, that, that's fair. I, I completely agree with that. So the, the Department of State or State Department is, um, is the branch or department of the government, the U.S. government, that's responsible for the nation's foreign policy and foreign relations. Okay, it's the equivalent of like the Ministry of Foreign Affairs that you have uh, in many other countries and things like that. They deal with uh, diplomatic missions, negotiating international treaties and agreements, and uh, they also have the person representing the U.S. at the U.N. Okay, it's located in the Harry S. Truman Building which is just a few uh, blocks away from the White House in uh, the neighborhood of Foggy Bottom in Washington, D.C. And uh, it was originally established in 1789 as the first administrative arm of the U.S. executive branch. Okay, it's considered to be among the most powerful and prestigious executive agencies. It's headed by the, who heads the State Department? Uh... Not the person's Secretary name. Of State? There you go, Secretary of State. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Who is obviously a cabinet member, right? They're it's they're considered basically the foreign minister, uh, if you want to you know, compare it to what you have in many other countries. Um, currently, the uh, Secretary of State is uh, Anthony Blinken, uh, who uh, you know Biden uh, gave the job to in. Uh, January of 2021. Every time I hear his name, I can't help but think of Winkin and Blinken and Nod. There you go. You know, that's a Makes sense. poem, right? I think. So, I mean, it's been around, obviously, since the beginning. There's so much to say about it, but we're not going to say about it because, you know, eh, we're talking about a movie. We're not really talking about uh, <laughs> the State Department. <laughs> so we can, we can sort of, uh, you know, uh, just skip over all that stuff. <laughs> so at this point, uh, the, the the shot goes back. We we go back to Johnson, who says, by the time he figures out what hit him, he'll be in a body bag. And I, I love the fact that the the edit here is amazing because you almost have the exact same moment. We hear Han say, by the time he figure, uh, when they touch down, we'll blow the roof. They'll spend a month sifting through the rubble, and by the time they figure out what went wrong, we'll be sitting on a beach earning twenty percent. Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> Now, I, I love the fact that in just these, you know, 10 seconds, Hans basically tells his entire plan. You know, he tells us. And I guess maybe right. Theo's hearing it for the first time also. I don't know. <laughs> Does Theo know that they're going to blow? Well, maybe he probably knows that they're going to blow the roof. Yeah. Well, like you said, it, it seems like, you know, each of these guys only have limited information about what their role. No, but he knows that they're putting explosives around the, the you know, the roof. Mm-hmm. So maybe he doesn't know why, but uh, you know, I was I was trying to think about what beach they're going to go to. You know, like <laughs> you know, because I, mean, I I I have not done a heck of a lot of international travel myself, so I don't know what the, uh, the beach destination of uh, 
you know, great international thieves like Hans Gruber might be, but, uh, right. I, I was thinking yeah. about trying to, you know, find a list of, of countries without extradition to America, you know, that they could uh, try to go to, but, uh, there, there's too many of them. You know, most of them are in like South, South America. My, my assumption is they're going either somewhere in the Caribbean or South America. I think that's their, their plan. Mm-hmm. That's what I would think. The but, beach uh, is not my go-to destination for, for vacation. My wife loves the beach, but uh, I can only take it for so long. No, I, I'm I guess not a I'm beach like, person. I'm like Anakin Skywalker, you know, because sand gets everywhere, you know, <laughs> that type of thing. Wait a second, so you want to be a moisture farmer? Is that what you're telling me? No, no, not that either. No. <laughs> so you want something in the middle. You don't like either extreme. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, where I live, we don't really have much in the way of beaches. Uh, you know, we have. Well, a you live in you live in that... Denver. Come on, why would you have beaches? You guys have snow. <laughs> yeah, you have snow beaches. We do have. We actually, I I did go to a beach up in the mountains. Uh, uh you know, a few months ago, we went up to um, uh, Dillon, Colorado. And that's where you have Lake Dillon and they have a little beach there, but you can't swim there. It's just a, you know, if you want to go sit on the beach, you can, you can boat there, but you're, you can't swim in the lake because this is actually, um, you know, where, you know, it's, it's the water supply for, for Denver. You know, the snow melts off the mountains, goes into this man-made lake. The actual, the original town of Dillon is under the lake now. Uh, so really, wow. you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, cause you know, we're, we don't have big bodies of water here in Colorado. So, you know, and our biggest source of water is the snow that falls in the wintertime. So I always tell people, you know, if it doesn't snow here in Denver, that's fine. As long as it snows in the mountains, because that generates the ski, the tourism industry. And then when it melts in the summertime, that's our water supply. Okay. That's fair. And so you get fresh, cold water. Is that what you're telling me? Oh yeah, well that's the thing. You, if you if you do, you know, you can wade in this this lake. You can't swim in it. You can wade in it. And I did. I took my shoes off and walked through that. And that water is cold. It is freezing. And that's because again, it it was originally snow. Wait a second. So you're saying that you're not allowed to go swimming in it because they don't want you swimming in water that people are going to drink. But you can wade into it, and you know everyone can put their dirty feet in it. Basically, yeah. You know. <laughs> okay. Is it is there any logic there? No, oh, okay. but, you know, is there logic to anything in our world? Of course not. Uh, some things, but not everything. <laughs> you know, it depends on what. Certain things do have logic. <laughs> so one of the things that, that uh, Johnson mentioned here is a body bag. So what what do you know about body bags? Uh, only that, uh, you know, I, I hope to never occupy one until uh, I'm not uh, conscious enough to to care. Um, okay. So, but no. But honestly, when I when I hear that that that's word, what we aspire bag, to. That's what we aspire. Yeah. To. I know what you're. I know what you're going to say. I think of the Karate Kid. That's right. When I hear body. Give him a body yeah, bag. Give him a body bag, Johnny. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. That's right. Sweep the leg. You and I. You and I. Eighties. Eighties kids. We. We know these things. Well. And 84, man. That's 1984. Best new year ever for me. There you go. Okay. No, that I know. I know that it is. Um, okay. So a body bag. Do you, do you know any other names for a body bag? I do not. Okay. It can either be called a cadaver pouch or an HRP, a human remains pouch. Okay. <laughs> it is a bag designated to contain a human body, and it's used for storage and transportation of shrouded corpses. 
Okay, when do you think the first use of a body bag was in America? The first documented think, use. I'm going to go back pretty early. I, I'm going to just guess during the Civil War. You are right. Excellent. Hey, there you go. Right. It was the purpose of the bag was stated on the patent. It was a patent application that was dated July 24, 21st, 1863. Okay. And the patent was, was it states that the purpose is to facilitate the carrying of badly wounded dead soldiers. Wait, badly wounded dead soldiers? I don't think that. <laughs> That's once, sort of redundant. Once you've, reached, once you've reached the point of being dead, I don't think how badly you're wounded <laughs> matters much anymore. But yeah, hurriedly away that could not otherwise be quickly removed from the want of proper conveyances or difficulty to to procure boxes or coffins for removing the dead, as the boxes or coffins cannot be so easily transported or handled on the field of battle. <laughs> well, and I I was trying to think back too, and I you know I'm no historian, but I you know I. I'm thinking that I seem to remember hearing things, uh, you know, in history class or maybe in like the, you know, the Ken Burns documentary. I don't know, but just about how there was just a shortage of coffins type of thing, you know, that there were, you know, there was just so much, you know, so much death that, that, you know, that they were kind of in short supply. So maybe that's, you know, the thing that moved forward this innovation. Could be, could be. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't mention that here. But during the Cold War, okay, they had vast reserves of body bags because um, they were anticipating millions of fatalities from nuclear war. And there's actually a poem, mm. a protest poem written by Adrian Mitchell called 15 Million Plastic Bags, all about, uh, you know, the, the waste, the wasted uh, body bags. Mm. <laughs> That's pretty the, the term is used for, for fashion. And other war, other bags worn on the body. Okay, you could have like a sling body bag or a cross body bag, and the sense is no connection with either of the, either of them. So sometimes people, you know, for for in fashion, will wear things on them, and they're also called body bags. But uh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I've se I've seen like dresses made out of garbage bags and things like that, but <laughs> that sounds different. Yeah, it could could be you know. That, that's what they're referring to. I don't know. That, that's just crazy. And, you know, I, I love the fact that he says, you know, that they'll spend a month sifting through the rubble. And, you know, as unfortunately, we know that something that, that Hans doesn't know in 1988, you know, you have, you know, the, the bombing in uh, Oklahoma City, you had 9-11, mm -hmm. you know, it, yeah. it, it takes a little longer than a month to sift through uh, this much rubble. You know, I think Hans is just guessing. I I guess I never thought about it in that much depth before in terms of, you know, he says we'll blow the roof. And, you know, I guess are they trying to destroy the entire building? I yes. Guess, is, yeah. Yeah. His plan is huh. he's going to blow the roof and the whole building will collapse. You know, again, yeah. maybe maybe Osama bin Laden actually saw this and thought of the idea. Mm. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I tried doing a little bit of research to see how long, you know, it took them to sift through the rubble of either Oklahoma City or 9-11, but uh, I couldn't really find any, uh, you know, definitive answers on that. So I uh, decided to, 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 to leave that research alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so then the shot changes and we get a shot of John's feet, which are like bloodied. Ugh. And it Ugh. looks like it's still even dripping. 
It looks like there's like blood still yeah. dripping from the whole thing. You know. The I I I told you I was thrilled with you for giving me a scene where I got Robert Davi, and then I was instantly angry at you because the <laughs> movies that or I should say the scenes in Die Hard that just make me shiver and wince and I want to turn away every time are the bloody feet shots, you know, and there's, there's several moments peppered throughout the film, you know, after that happens, but I don't know, just those shots of the, the bloody feet and he's hobbling around and there's blood smearing across the ground. But it's not real. Just, it's not the, real. I don't care. Those are the moments that, that just make me shudder in this film every time. I don't know why. I, and it's like I, I mean I see blood in all kinds of movies. Why why blood pouring out of somebody's feet? Why is that so you know so sensitive for me? I don't know, but yeah, I, I've always been bothered by the bloody feet moments in Die Hard. Right. Okay. I understand. So there there's all these newspapers on the ground, and and one of the uh, headlines that we can see it says uh, the Southern California Guide to Lower to Lower Heating Bills. You know, I I tried googling that, but didn't come up with anything. So I don't know if that's a fake ad or, you know, maybe it was something at the time, but I just couldn't find it. Mm. Yeah, I'm just impressed that you looked at the newspaper. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> another one that's sort of cut off, but we we can see the words this test they something money into their transmissions. I I, I don't know something is just cut off there, so you can't really see the whole uh, newspaper. It it oh wait it moves a little no it's even longer. Forget it. We see some of those words that I cut out, but there's even more words that you can't see. So forget that. I'm not, I'm not even going to try to decipher that one. So I guess these newspapers were left behind by some of the construction guys that are working on these floors yeah. or something like yeah. that. They read them on their lunch break or something. Yeah, but, the, you know, they, they just left them strewn all over the floors in the bathroom. You know, last week we noticed that there was a ladder in the room and there's a uh, like a mirror on the side that just doesn't make any sense of why they would have the mirror where it is. You know, things like that. Mm -hmm. And then John, like, stands up. And we, you can clearly see, I mean, Bruce Willis does a great job of pretending to be hurt here. You know, you, you can really feel his pain. You know, yeah. like you mentioned before about that the blood mm -hmm. bothers you or whatever. But if you look at it, you can, you know, he's acting very well as if this really hurts him. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I've noticed that throughout the film. Yeah. Uh, there's just... You know, there's there's a lot of these action films where, you know, guys get get beat up. They've got big cuts that are, you know, gushing blood and stuff. And the next moment they're moving on and, and something, you know, they're onto something else. And it's like that never happened. And I, one of the things I have always appreciated about Die Hard, about the Die Hard series in general, is that you feel Bruce Willis's pain. And as he goes through the movie, you see the effects of of the injuries that he goes through and him fighting his way through it. I, I've always thought that's yeah. very effective. About okay. this yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that completely. And then he picks up the, uh, the CB and he goes, pal, yeah, first of all, he groans right before he does it. He goes, pal, you'll pal, you got a minute. You know, like, and I, I've, I've mentioned this so many times and I'm going to keep mentioning it. You know, they keep forgetting that this is a party line. Everyone can hear anything that's being said. Yeah. You know, there's there's, yeah, I, well, there's no privacy here whatsoever. And I always thought, you know, isn't there something that, you know, they're both cops. Isn't there something that, you know, they just would universally know as cops as a way of getting onto some other channel 
that at the very least Hans would have to hunt for and, you know, would not instantly know what they're doing. Um, again, I have no way of knowing yeah. whether or not such a thing exists. I'm not a cop. I've never been, uh, you know, in a family with cops. I don't know these type of things, but I was thought there should, shouldn't there be some unwritten language that, that John and Al just know yeah. so they could get <laughs> off the party line, so to speak. Yeah, completely. I, I think so. But, uh, you know, it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> I think that's why they, they sort of figured out that in the second movie, they would actually have a code to punch in, you know, to make it a little more, uh, you know, uh, scrambled, I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so Al responds, I'm here, John. And then John responds, listen, man, I'm starting to get a bad feeling up here. You see, he's, he's, he, he must have seen Star Wars. You know, that's what I'm thinking too. Anytime anyone says I've got a bad feeling, it's Star Wars, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, 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 I love the fact that they decide at this point to let him, you know, open his heart up and start to, to spill his guts because he is starting to get a bad feeling about the fact that he's not going to make it out of here. You know. Well, and again, I think it's one of the things that makes John McClane a bit more uh, human, believable character yeah. than than what you get in a lot of these '80s action films. You know, yeah. I mean, I love Arnold, I love Sly, I love all those guys, John Claude, whatever. You know, I, I I love the entertainment that they've given me. But you know, if you ask me who feels the most believable, the most like a real person doing all these things. Bruce Willis, John McClane, you know, and, and it's, again, it's the moments like this that do it uh, right. because he's, he's having second thoughts about him trying to take on all these guys and, and wondering if he's going to ever see his wife again and, and all that stuff. So yeah, it's very genuine. Yeah. No, I think that's one of the reasons why this movie works so well, you know, because of the fact that he's such a believable character and he's an everyman. He's, you know, he's one mm-hmm. of us, that type of thing. You know, he's not th- this guy with these bulging muscles, uh, you know, like Arnie Sly or, or Jean-Claude, as you mentioned. And, you know, he's, he's just a guy trapped in the wrong, you know, the wrong place, the wrong, wrong time. You know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So he yeah. continues with, with, with his, uh, uh, I guess, confession or uh, last will and testament or however you want to call it. He goes, listen, man, I'm starting <laughs> to get a feel- bad feeling about this. I want you to do something for me. Um, I want you to find my wife. Don't ask me how, but then by then you'll know how. Uh, I, I, I want you to tell her something. I want you to tell her that, um, you know, like <laughs> he he ums too many times here. You know, he he sounds like a podcaster. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for saying that because I, I will say I know I am bad about umming. On my podcast, I can tell you exactly what a waveform of me saying um looks like because I edit it out of so many of my podcasts and I leave a bunch of them in, too, because it's I, just not worth it. I have, I have the same issue. Them. <laughs> but uh, I say um so much. It's so embarrassing every time I edit because I know I'm umming. And the other thing I say is, you know. I go, you know, you know this, you know, and so that I'm, I'm terrible. I am not. Uh, hey, Todd, you, you and I are, 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 I guess you could say brothers from another mother from that perspective, because we, we both, <laughs> we both have the same issue. 
when it comes to that. And and that's pretty much how this minute ends. Did you have anything else you want to say about the minute before? You cut, yeah, it cuts off at an um. right as he's about to say, <laughs> I want you to tell her and, that. And, 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 we'll have to wait until tomorrow. You know, don't wanna, we want people to come back tomorrow and listen. If you tell them now, they'll they'll say, "Oh, I don't have to come back." I'm not gonna tell them oh. now, you know. But I'm just saying, it's <laughs> like it was like the perfect moment. It's like they they ended it right there, knowing that you need that hook to come back in another 35 years and listen to the next day of Movie Rob's podcast. There you go. They did that. For Thank you. you. Thank you. You were 100 percent right on that. There you go. So you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we get to the script? No, I think I'm good. Okay, so the script is a few minor changes, not many, but, uh, you know, when Hans says, when Hans tells his plan, basically, he says in the script, when they touch down and we blow the roof, they'll spend a month sifting through the bodies and rubble. By the time they figure out what went wrong, we'll be earning 20% like nice fat capitalists. <laughs> so he has the nice fat capitalists added, and he also says that they're going to be sifting through the bodies. You know, I get. I can. I can just hear Alan Rickman doing that capitalist yes. line. I can. I can imagine that. Yeah. And the the only other thing that that I want to say about the the script from this minute is that, you know, they have a direction here in in the script saying McLean tries walking on his foot. He winces in pain clearly at the end of his resources. So you know, uh, Bruce Bruce did a nice job with 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 that direction. I guess you can say. Yeah, we get plenty That's of that. That's right. Yep. All right. So every Monday we have a segment called Die Hard on a Monday, where my guests will give their top five Die Hard doppelganger movies. So what have you got for us, Todd? Start with your number five and work your way up. Number five was a tough one for me to settle on because I realized there's several of these I hadn't seen in some time. But I went with Cliffhanger for number five. Okay. Um, number four, um, Jay will love me for this, Con Air. Well, once you said that, I knew what the answer was. Once you said John, Jay will will love you or hate you that it's it's number four. (laughs) Well, yeah, he might hate me that it's number four, but, you know, at least it made the top five. But, yeah, yeah, Con Air is fantastic. Um, Number three, I'm going to go with one of the other airplane ones, Air Force One. Um, Number two would be Under Siege. And number one has got to be speed Ooh, speed all right great i do want to give out a shout out okay. though to the the worst diehard doppelganger uh because many years ago when i was on a podcast about worst movies we've ever seen this made my list but um skyscraper starring anna nicole smith is right i was going to ask you which so one because there are there i know that there are two skyscrapers so yeah no, yeah, not not the Dwayne the Rock Johnson skyscraper, but which, the, which wasn't that uh, great original either. skyscraper. Yeah, it's well, I mean, at least it's got Dwayne the Rock Johnson in it. I mean, he's. I always say, even if the movie's not terribly great, he makes it entertaining on a super, certain level. But um, but the Anna Nicole Smith skyscraper is uh, one of the worst movies I have ever seen, and I highly recommend everyone watch it because it's one that is, you know, it's just a fun experience for all the wrong reasons type of a thing <laughs> okay that's fair that's fair so you want to tell people todd how they can get in touch with you yeah absolutely so uh my blog is forgotten films it's at forgottenfilmcast.wordpress.com uh the podcast is the forgotten filmcast you'll find links to it on the blog as well as 
you know, if you check your various podcatchers and things like that. And then I'm on Twitter at Forgotten Films. It's films with a Z. All right. And while you're doing that, you can rate, review, and subscribe any podcatcher I've used and listen to the show. Finding me is quite simple. All you do is a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. You can find me on Facebook, and you can find me on Twitter. So until tomorrow, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay.